If you're listening to this episode, you probably know or have heard about Jeff before, that and Jeff Cole. However, if you have not heard of him, I would advise that you familiarize yourself with Jeff, what he does. His IG is at Cole, C-O-L-E. He also owns an art canvas company called Iconic, I-K-O-N-I-C-K. His new projects in the Web3 space are Meta Relics and Sneaks of Nature, which you can find online as well. Everything this dude has done, I am a fan of. But most importantly, Jeff is a true soul, a true creative that just gets it. On this episode, we get into a lot of the specifics in that, hence the title of this episode. What it means to be a creative. Now enjoy the episode. Hey, this is your host of the Soul Talk podcast, Jeffrey Tashlick, known as Jay, Jeff, or JT to many. Uh, I'm joined today by a very special guest. Funny enough, another Jeff. That and Jeff Cole. Welcome to the podcast. Bro. What's going on, young man? I just want to start right off the rip. I mean, at a young age, your art on IG had, you know, blown my mind and its immense creativity. Uh, but more importantly, inspired me to think outside of the box. I'm pushing that there's always something more than uh, what already is. And today I'm honored to be able to have you here and talk a little more about yourself, your soul work, and find those hidden meanings, if you will. But for anyone who hasn't seen your line of work, let alone know who you are, give a little bit of background of who you are and what you do. Uh, yeah, so I'm Jeff Cole, digital artist, co-founder of Iconic, creator of Sneaks of Nature, but you know, I'm most well-known for probably my sneaker art and the uh, motivational canvases uh, that Iconic makes, so. And we'll unpack all of those things further into this interview, but I, you know, I've heard the origin story of, you know, growing up and doing art almost your whole life, but was art something that was pushed on to you to do originally as a kid or was that kind of like a mutual relationship you want to do art and your parents um, as well or the art kind of find you in a sense? well yeah it somewhat found me because uh i doing art classes before I, re- I remember you know my first memory but then again it was something i was good at so uh like i said it, it kind of just fell in my lap in terms of like i didn't pursue it based on something that I wanted to learn that I didn't learn before, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, I think people can, they'll learn hobbies later in life, but this is something that, you know, it was almost like inherently taught before I could remember. So it's like something you kind of grew up just doing and already kind of embedded in you. It was at the time that I wasn't a good student. So like I looked forward to art. I was always the best artist in, you know, my classes. So, you know, it was something obviously looked forward to, uh, you know, a place where I felt like I belonged pretty early, obviously, in my in my life. For sure. So, you know, I know art takes, you know, the main side of things for you, but I mean, being a kid growing up in Chicago, I couldn't imagine you didn't play any sports. Of course. I played a lot of sports. I was, uh, you know, if you didn't look at me, you definitely wouldn't have known I was an artist. You know, I played all the typical sports uh, every year, football, basketball, baseball, up until I was like 15, 16 years old. Um, I quit baseball when I was 12, football earlier, the basketball I didn't quit until I was just before high school, deciding I didn't want to try out for the team. So we, uh, you know, our, our high school is pretty big. I think we had one of the biggest high schools actually in the country. My graduating class was like 1,200 people just my class. So we are more of like a mini college. So sports wasn't like a premier thing is like other high schools kind of, there was so much to do so many people. Uh, you guys had that, like the you know, big stadiums, right? Like, you know, high school usually doesn't um, get like Not really. I don't want to say big stadiums. We just had a giant, a giant, giant high school. Whereas like there was many different pockets of people. It just felt like 
way deeper clicks uh, than just sports, like the generic sports crowd and then like the cool crowd and like the door. Like, you know, if you yeah, like yeah. did everything, our high school was just many little micro clicks. So it was much bigger. And you can fit in in way more places than in a typical smaller high school. For sure. Could you talk a little bit about your family dynamic and how life was like growing up before high school? Uh, yeah, I mean, had a pretty close family. Like I see, I played sports, idolized, you know, Chicago sports. I had a large friend group that my social life was pretty important growing up. It was something that probably overtook a lot of the art side of my life. I was so inherently good at art that I didn't really practice it as a kid. And even in college, and as kind of my life went on, my social life kept getting more and more in the way. And, you know, it wasn't until junior year, I actually applied to uh, Indiana Art School for illustration, which is a, a pretty hard school to get into because I was I was partying too much in Arizona. I didn't really take art. So I wasn't taking it seriously. And I knew that I needed to. So I kind of removed myself applied to that art school, got into their art, their illustration program. And at the same time, I got into the upper division program at Arizona. So I had to kind of make a choice whether to study under this one guy at Arizona who would be the, kind of like my mentor or, or go to U of I art program and isolate myself away from all my party friends and kind of hone in on, you know, the craft. So I, I jumped ship, went to IU. That's where I started my first like freelance opportunities. Didn't go to any of my classes, uh, ironically, and I started my freelance and just started doing logos and, and then clothing for a lot of the uh, Chicago sports. That was like my first big gig when I was 21. So I was designing a bunch of clothing lines that people would wear to the all the games. So like this was the era of like the D Rose era, the, the Blackhawks were winning Stanley Cup. So like my my shirts were everywhere in the city, and uh, I was living in the city at the time. So it was just a really fun part of my career, and I got to learn a lot. It was a well, probably the coolest thing I've done up until that point, and that's when everything started to kind of fire on all cylinders in 2012. And that's when Instagram came out. I met Mark in 2012 as well, doing a couple freelance graphic design jobs for him with a couple companies he had. And that's what led me to him introducing me to the Melon guys. And I was their first designer and first product designer. Did that for like four or five years. It's, just, it's crazy just hearing like that company. Like now everywhere I go, like, and I see it, I just think of you guys, because I've never like paid attention to to that company and now even though it's not so present in the places i'm at but you know it's almost at every oh, yeah. like, shop and everything it's like everywhere that. now and it's funny like how hard we work to build that brand like the beginning everyone knew mark and i like the melon guys because we were like the kind of the front facing guys sort of like mark was doing the marketing and i was doing they were the top the designer design. yeah. yeah so i was doing i was their only designer so it felt like our brands and obviously Corey and brian were the operators of that business and then, you know, we just, I, I kind of just grew out of it. And that's what led to Iconic. So that thankfully, Mark left, I think, six months before I did. And I had a performance review one day. And after it, I declined the offer to keep going with them. And, and then we started Iconic. So, Great. and this was, yeah, this was 2015, I think. Sure. So, get more yeah. to the like specifics of Iconic sooner than later. But when did you actually yeah. start to understand that art might be what you want to do long-term? Like, can you pinpoint an age or just like oh, a yeah. moment in time? Well, I always wanted to ever since I was little. So, but the first time it was, I got more of a professional third-party perspective on it was when my art teacher at the time, and this was junior high, he 
wanted to set up a meeting with my parents to discuss career options in art. Probably around 12 or 13 at this time. You know, obviously I've been doing a lot in art up until that point. You know, everyone kind of knows me for it, but um, we used to have meetings, parents, and he would bring in career books and he would talk to me about all the careers in art and graphic design and stuff. And I'm, I'm a fucking little kid. I don't know shit. Um, <laughs> but like, that's kind of when like, I'm like, okay, the first time someone was like, this is what you should be doing career wise. It's something I wanted, but it wasn't someone who was like actively kind of putting it in my ear, I guess. And like, um, it was someone who at that point you look up to, they're, they're like the art teacher in their school. So like you kind of take what they say a little bit more serious than you would your own validation of yourself. Right. So he gave me a couple of books and, and then that's kind of the first memory I had, but, um, I would like to think it was always something I knew I was going to be doing. Sure. And I've heard, you know, it, it didn't just happen once, right? Like there was a story where like a kindergarten teacher of yours sat you down. And oh said, yeah. My, that, that was preschool. Yeah. My preschool. Crazy, right? Like how, what did, what do you think she saw in you? Or I mean, you know, yeah, I don't know. Me up. My grandma used to pick me up from preschool and my grandma is a fucking, she's a stubborn, crazy, hilarious lady. I love her. And she, uh, I think I've She's seen like, on your uh, IG story. Oh, yeah. She would come home and be like, the teachers keep asking me to save his artwork. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, go talk to them or something. And then I don't remember this. Obviously, I, was, sure. I had to be, I'd be like five years old, six years old, four or five. Uh, we still have a lot of my art from them. But um, yeah, like I said, it's just, it's, I don't even have a memory without knowing I was going an artist. So gotcha, it's pretty apparent. Yeah. It's pretty apparent. I mean, if you have One kindergarten th teachers telling you that, and then you get to high school well, and somebody else is telling you that. So yeah, this is when I really knew, though, like, I have a lot of these stories, right? Every art teacher, I have one of those uh, stories where I remember, like, this isn't normal type of shit. I mean, like, in high school, in AP art, my teacher told me I had to slow down to when I did all the work because the kids were getting frustrated. I was finishing first, and it was the best, been the best work. So I would finish, like, a week in advance for a project. Like, if we were doing a drawing, I would, and let's say we had all week or two weeks to do it. I would finish it in the first couple of days and it'd be clearly the best because I, I, I was an illustration machine back then. I, I did, uh, digital art is somewhat of still of a foreign design platform for me just because of how many years I, I did 20 plus years of illustration and painting. So yeah, I used to finish projects too early and then they tell me to slow down for people uh, to not get so you know frustrated. And then I have the craziest story is my sophomore year figure drawing teacher. She was going to fail me because I would, I missed 60% of my, my figure drawing class. And technically on college, if you miss that amount of class, you automatically get an F. And I did. I clearly, I think I missed like 68% of the class. Never went. I was definitely the best in the class. Um, so she threatened to fail me, but she's like, if you come in and draw with me for four hours, we'll, we'll do all. She actually hired her own model. So it was me, her. And then we hired our own model, which is, uh, you know, usually you, you have a class and there's like 18, 20 people in your class. And they have a model that they pay that you draw from. So she hired this, this model to come in and just meet her and the model. And we drew for like four hours. And she's like, if you draw with me four hours, I'll give you an A and, and, and give you the grade you, you, you deserve. And she like, she grilled at me at the end. She ripped up all my drawings. It's like, she's like, these are the best drawings you've done thus far in the class she ripped them up don't ever settle for this level of art like you're destined for more 
um, basically saying, don't crown yourself on these, these drawings in this A you're getting and have this be like your, uh, the thing you talk about, you know, you're going to go on and do much greater things in art. She's like, look, when you look back at these drawings, they're going to be nothing compared to what you're going to end up doing. And it was a crazy, it was a it was very surreal because I was still, I was doing, I was like 20 years old, partying my fucking ass off. Didn't really give a shit about the art. Clearly I was failing my most important class that I excelled at. So mm-hmm. that was kind of my wake up call. And that's when I submitted a new portfolio to new colleges. That's I missed that shit the most, man. That shit was, it was like the sport. It was like the only, only sport there was in the art world. It was like, I don't know if you're familiar with figure drawing, but like you'd sit down, you get the model and you'd have 20 people. So it's like you versus 20 people, sort of, not really, but in my, I'm a sports guy. So like, that's oh, how I, I thought about it. And um, they would give you a time, basically, they'll be, okay, this is a 30-second drawing, go. And you you wouldn't know. So, like, you do your drawing, and then time was up, and you'd show everyone, and everyone would go around and, and present theirs. Or sometimes they'd be, all right, this is a five-minute drawing, or this is an hour drawing. So it was kind of like a very, very competitive to me, and it was like a freestyle. It was like a game. Um, and I thrived in that environment. Like you didn't my know show. the model or – or what what did what did you well nothing time nothing i mean the model would come in and they do tell you which time limit you're doing and then what style you're doing like sometimes there will be like in motion where you should do like three like the the model will move three times and you have to draw three positions and somehow make movement between the three like or one of our finals was they, they didn't tell us but like you were supposed to draw the skeleton inside of the body so the model would be up there and then you'd have to invent what the skeleton was like in there. So like, it felt very sporty to me. And that was like my, uh, I thrived back in those classes. But after that, I kind of stopped. It, it didn't really serve a purpose after I knew I wasn't going to major in figure drawing anymore. You know, my mom wanted me to be a uh, medical illustrator, which was like the best job you can probably get for figure drawing. But you'd have to take a bunch of math and science classes, which I didn't want to do. So that kind of ended that route for me once I knew that the pinnacle of that career was medical illustration, or obviously if you want to go off and do your own thing and just sell whatever your drawings are. But um, that's when I kind of pivoted and decided to start and learn or self-teaching myself, illustrator, and then doing logos and start making money that way in college. Just going back. So that moment, like you couldn't have gotten a better wake up call, right? Because it was like, People told you time after time that this is your thing. And oh, yeah. you that was work. my biggest wake-up call. That was my biggest wake-up call in my life because I was failing something. It shouldn't even been like, even in question. For sure. And um, didn't even tell my mom that. She found out about that story on a podcast I did. So she didn't know that I literally failed that class, but she gave me an A. So speaking more about like the process, is there anything specifically that you can kind of say that you know, you loved back then and even now across all the types of art that you do. Is there anything specific in, in the process that you just love every time? Like you were just talking about competing. I don't know how much competition you take on, you know, average day. Maybe you're just competing against yourself. Um, it really is. I mean, it really is competing against at this point, just because like, even if you look back at my Instagram from, I mean, dude, you should look back at the first, my first I, I like illustrated illustration works no like stuff oh, oh on ig stuff, i'm talking about stuff from 12 years ago well, where could when i on that? i mean in my facebook oh okay 
Yeah, if you find my Facebook and then Div Deek in there, you can see my first test just illustrating on the computer. You can see some of my old figure drawing actually on there too. I started doing mixed media too without anyone's permission. Like I would do mixed media when I finished. Like let's say there was a figure drawing. Like see that's the thing with me. When everyone was just doing figure drawing, I would then bring in the board and paint it on a board and then like stencil something on it to do mixed media and like I would fuck around and start doing that type of shit. Whatever medium I kind of went in, I just progressively, I'm someone who gets better every time I do something. And like, you can clearly see, it's pretty evident in the early work of my like sneaker art, like how shitty it is compared to what it is now and like the complexity and clean and, and I'm just getting better. It's like a, just evolving. I evolved. This medium isn't something that I grew up doing. So I'm going to get better every time, going to figure out things, you know, because I, I, I do it. It's a very untraditional way of designing. I wasn't taught. So um, I'm learning new ways to do things and uh, to push the boundaries of like, you know, whether it's incorporating foregrounds or, or more foregrounds and middle grounds. And like in my work, the first stuff is like, there's only a background and a foreground, the two layers, like, right. I remember then I started pushing myself to like 10 layers and, and then more than just keep going and going. And then after I mastered that, it's like framing and composition. And then after that, it's like kind of, then it's lighting, like how dynamic can we get? Can we alter the moods? Can we, then it's just like, you're kind of going in every pocket of art direction and saying, okay, if I was a six out of 10 in this area, like I'm bringing it up to an eight. So like right now I think, I got to a point in the sneaker art stuff where everything was almost like a nine out of 10 in terms of like all the different stuff. And that's kind of when. On, on your way. Yeah. Okay. Cause, cause, cause you, you, you leave that extra 10 to keep pushing those. Benders. Well, yeah, but it, it's also 2d art. So it's like, you can only push 2d art to 2d. Mm-hmm. So it's like, once you master all the elements of 2d, then it's like, okay, where do you go from there? Like, let's, let's start exploring 3d art. And then, you know, working with 3D artists and kind of directing that, what's after that? It's like, okay, what I'm doing now with sneaks is kind of, I'm doing everything now. And I'm like, we're, we're, we're doing creative writing. Like we're doing like deep themes and metaphors inside of storytelling. Like we're doing, it's kind of incorporating everything. Like we're doing 2D, 4D, you know, product. Like everything I've ever done throughout my whole career is incorporated into this project in some way. And it's a pretty front and center too. You know? And we're giving kind of every element out there in this story. Um, so it's like, it's just a lot. It's, it's, it's very fun pushing. I mean, that's the thing. Like if you, if you find out what you're really good at and the thing that you really love, you want to push and you want to push yourself. And, and the reward of that, of like surprising yourself, think, wow, I had no idea I was capable of doing that. Like looking back, it's wild. And then, you know, for me, it's yeah, for me, I want to do the most complex art you could possibly do. And I think that sneaks is it because we're kind of recreating an art medium right now. Mm-hmm. One, one, it's on the blockchain. Two, it's like a story that's never told this way. I feel like the themes and the, the story is pretty complex. Obviously, the characters have depth to them in terms of like their meaning, obviously, and the inspiration combining to the, you know, the two inspirations to create the character and in itself and then layering on everything else it's it's insane it's it's like a hundred x it's hundred x complex than anything i've ever done before yeah, so for sure to I me, mean, like i want to keep doing those types of things where i'm surprising myself in the capabilities 
um, but also like I'm studying film um, right now heavily like right every now. weekend every I'm studying film every day but um, wow. next that's the next level for me is like learning all the ins and outs of that art form you know getting my cinematic intelligence up every day you know learning new terms learning different techniques so that I can incorporate it into all the stuff we're doing yeah I mean everything you're saying seems very very complex to say the least but how do you say you deal with something that doesn't work like do you have problems like you know imperfection or like patience or anything like that and how do you kind of like solve any of those types of problems if you have any of them well, I feel like any of the problems that I run into, it's, it's out of my control. And that's probably the worst part about business and the creative part is like, and it's something that's probably really hard for artists is to delegate stuff to people in hopes they can match your vision, right. uh, your speed, your quality. Because you that. want the control over all of those things, but... No, yeah, it's not so much control. It's you want them to match the intent like match what you're doing or else it feels like it doesn't belong right so that's a really hard part about scaling a team i guess to then see through your vision but you know what what we've been doing is like i've been creating really intensive style guides which are like it goes into every type of thing you should look for in in the brand it kind of the more you develop the brand the more clearly you communicate whether it's the aesthetic, the the mood, you know, obviously the color palettes, the tone in which you're, you you communicate. If you get that really clear and pass it to someone, they either get it or they don't. And we're at a really cool point where we actually just partnered with a really big company that we'll be announcing soon, but they fucking get it. So like I passed off all my assets to them and like they've been able to really get it and they've been hitting me up saying like they're actually having dreams of sneaks because like they're in, in they're now trying to incorporate their creativity into the story to to then execute some of those like very in-between type of tasks because i'm incorporating everything we're doing in the project into the story we you have to kind of creatively fit in whatever you're doing in in the functionality of the technology and stuff so it's like we found a couple things that we have to do for the mint and I'm like, okay, well, we have to figure out how that ties into the story. And like, they're getting all excited because it's allowing them to now not just, you know, start coding and that's it. Now they're really, they're starting to be a kid again. Think about fun, all the movies they've watched and like, what could be cool here? So I've had a couple of them reach out already and like, thank you so much for this project. Like I'm actually like, I've never been so excited because I'm like bringing these things together that I'm not used to and, and kind of bringing that child back. And that's, that's a big theme of the story, which everyone's going to probably, you know, catch on to in a little bit. I'm actually going to be doing like, um, obviously I have three trailers written or four trailers written. And then we have like a wrap up video. That's going to just explain everything in more in depth about the themes that I want the people to take away from the project. So that'll be cool. But yeah, it's almost a six, you know, what is it? Six months now of just kind of keep pushing the limits right now. For sure. And we're, we're close. We, we're we're close here to finishing up the first act in the project, um, starting up act two, and it's going to be fun. We're all waiting. It's exhausting, though. I know being called an artist, business person, maybe your main title, would you consider yourself a collector? And if so, does that help you with being an artist in any way? Collector? Well, yeah, I mean, 
you know, I'm collecting NFTs. I collect shoes. You know, I collect obviously. You know, some cards. I'm I collect a lot of obviously fossils. Is something I'm I'm super into. And What's I'm the story also, with that? I just love paleontology. I love archaeology in general, but specifically paleontology is super cool to me because we have, we know so little about it, and that I'm like a very curious person. So like that stuff just fascinates me. Curiosity to me is very tied to creativity. Because if you don't know a lot and you're curious about something, you can start creating in your mind scenarios and, and just uh, your brain kind of wanders. My brain has the ability to kind of see in a macro lens. So it's like if I don't know something and I, but I know there's a lot of answers, I can, my mind just goes everywhere. You can kind of fill in gaps. You can create your own narratives. You can do kind of whatever you want. And Sneaks is going to so, be like the, the, the North Star of that, right? Because you have the control too. All of those things but i definitely relate to you in that in that manner as well just just from the basis of yeah i, I heard something oh, yeah. along the lines of StockX did an article on you and there was a question something like you know why are sneakers like the best medium to create and you were like pushing you know that that boundary and why with all the storytelling and everything yeah, right? i mean yeah sneakers yeah you have the textures the colors obviously the story behind who's behind the sneaker uh so i just think sneakers in general were such an underrated art medium i take my myself back to when i did the brad october kanye face the first one why i chose the sneakers i can't i just so long ago i just don't remember the only thing i do remember is i needed to learn photoshop somehow and i don't know if like the shoe was coming out that week or it was just hyped on Instagram because I don't I can't put myself back what was trending that week in terms of like scrolling my feed but um that's just an assignment I did and I it just came out really well and I printed my printed it on canvas put it in my room and it's funny like we'd have parties every weekend and come over and people would sit by the piece and talk about it and I would explain it and this was when I had no like 5,000 followers no in 2014 so yeah, it's eight years ago. So like, it's just been really fun. It, the, they always presented a really unique challenge every time. Um, I think that's kind of what I liked about it the most is like, I never knew what I was getting into, but I, I kind of always knew that I, I would figure it out as I go along. So like if, if I had the shoe and I had my concept, typically if you had that, right, if you had the shoe and you had the concept, you would most likely, if you're a different artist, start drawing what you think it would look like. But I would just go in because I kind of knew uh, just based on the, those two connections and how it should look in the end. But that was the most fun part is like going into those, not knowing what it's going to turn out to look like, but knowing that it was a right fit, know that those are the right two pieces to use. And every time it was like a different challenge. I would get stuck and figure it out and get that fulfillment every time. And every time I did it, you could translate that in, in, in a lot of things, right? That you just keep w working through it. And I mean, it doesn't sound like you, you forced yourself to, to, to work through like all the things you're saying, right? Like it was fun for you, but like, obviously like the end goal. Yeah. I mean, when you're fun. creative, yeah. When you're, I think that's just recognizing my strengths. It's like, if you weren't inherently creative and you, that would be a struggle. I mean, that would be really hard. Like, even if you were proficient in, the, in Photoshop, if you don't have, you know, the, the illustration, painting and all those things, like, and you can just kind of picture it in your mind and then just know that you can, in your mind, manipulate and change whatever you want, but it's more of like your mind working and not really, it's not like an execution problem. It's like recognizing patterns and um, rationally and logically thinking of certain 
certain shapes and where and how relatable they would look in certain like just knowing shapes and like uh, color blocking and, and it's it's it, it was really like a puzzle but like and that was the coolest part is like you couldn't do those anyway like there's a, an infinite way to take a shoe and create it into something like you can literally do anything you want but like i took pride in finding the most optimized way to do it like if something wasn't 100 percent, i could do it better i would scratch it and find another piece of the puzzle to make it you know look better and that was also like the fun thing is like to me it was just like a perfect challenge for me i don't know w- what it was but like i always figured it out and i always like if you look back at some of them they're fuck i even like i don't remember some of the stuff because it's like some of the problem solving i went through you just kind of don't remember but like it just happened to work out you know really well and that was kind of like the whole thing was like finding out ways to kind of surprise myself and every time i go back and look at some of them i was just like damn I don't know how I thought of that, like For stuff sure. like that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's just being, it's being proud of your work too, right? Like, damn, I did, you know, I did that. And then, you know, you can kind of pull what you want out of. Yeah, it's also the only work that I actually don't get um, sick of, which is I get sick of everything I do. After I usually done with the creating anything, I get sick of it. But a lot of my sneaker art, I don't just because like, when I look back at it, I get inspired by it which is super rare for me. I usually don't get inspired by my own work ever. Like literally it's uh, 98% of the time I hate it five minutes after I make it, but I'll go back on the sneaker art stuff and I'll be like, it's like, I, I didn't even do it. It's like, that's how I feel. It's like, and that's how I get inspired by things that I don't do. Cause I, I think it's weird to have inspiration behind something you do. And these do that for me. And I think that's very strange, but I, I noticed it's because there's some of the puzzle pieces and some of those, aha moments in there those mm-hmm. pieces that are like i don't even remember but like they look like inspired by it which is like weird and that's just some of the subtle choices you make very subtle stuff get a give a side question off because we were talking about like collecting stuff grandpa you know collecting yeah, owls. Owls, actually wearing an owl shirt for you, over you owl. i think that story is dope but i don't really know i don't think the public knows much about it as in terms of like why the owl i don't know if you can disclose that yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, my grandpa, uh, he was one of my biggest fans. He was kind of like the uh, intimidating center of our family that everyone kind of looked up to. He was healthy, active, just like almost like an invincible figure, a larger than life guy, commanded the room. And he had a brain aneurysm on the way to our family trip. Everyone was going to come, but my grandma and grandpa always go first. And he was just watching TV and they still don't know. It's something, he just had something happen and he just passed away. And it was shocking. They still don't know what happened. Um, it was just one of, I don't know, it's, it's been, I don't know yeah. how many years it's been now. But um, it was like our, our first big death in our family. And he, uh, he started this foundation to help wounded veterans. And I wanted to create a logo for his foundation. So I created that owl because of how much he loved owls. And I put it as my profile photo one day just to honor him and I just never took it away. And that's kind of how it started. And then I got the tattoo shortly after that. And then my whole family got the tattoo. So there's like 10 of us in my family that have the tattoo now, um, which is fucking crazy. Like my mom has it, uh, my twin sister, my cousins, uh, my aunt, my brothers and sisters. So like, 
really cool part of our family and um it was really cool doing the watch with movement yeah that video was absolutely nuts yeah that, that, that was pretty sweet um there was actually a lot of that video that got cut out it was very short but that was a really cool experience doing that that watch in like his honor yeah i have owls all over my room it's usually all, all over our home i have like a huge collection of storage right now I have like, I, I collect owls from like around the world if I go on vacation or if my, even my friends now, if they go on vacation, they see an owl, they'll buy it and, and add it to my collection tradition with my friends and even some clients now, they'll, they'll if they're in a, a, you know, in Tokyo or something and see a little owl, they'll buy it and ship it to me, which is super, super cool. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how the owl came to be. So I know uh, recently just looking at, at your IG, I know you were adamant about you know all the things that's going on with instagram and this you know copycat world we live in where you know they're kind of you know taking a new approach to their algorithm what are you doing in terms of like you know trying to combat that and like being an artist and you know pushing i mean i'm not i'm over i'm i mean i think i've grown out of the posting on instagram phase of my life i've been working on this project for six months i can i couldn't tell you one thing i posted on instagram last year I kind of just, it just doesn't perform, right? It's just like they stopped showing people um, the organic reach when, you know, is they killed it. Um, we're seeing it in business, uh, digital marketing, and they took it away organically as well. So I have no really motivation to post on there, especially if no one, it's not going to let anyone see it, especially the people that are following me. So I mean, I, that also like, isn't, that's not like the main reason I just like, I'm working on a project that, I, that needs all my attention. So like, I can't be like every night spending two, four hours on a design that's going to be posted on Instagram just for no reason. Like my two to four hours is way better spent on the sneaks right now and uh, providing value to all the people in our little community. But uh, I mean, that was another reason is I started slowly re realizing that Instagram wasn't a, a community. And it was just a, it was just a fake audience. So another reason why I'm just not creating there anymore is I'd rather create for people who actually give a shit and want to be part of something I create with them. And they actually have upside in and they can like care about and, and, and get value from. So uh, I think it was a culmination of all that stuff. And then I just think it's absolutely insane what their, some of their business decisions have been. Um, but it seems like they got the picture today. Since today, the CEO was out of pocket the other day. I don't know if you saw that, but um, uh -uh. so the CEO of Instagram had to do an, like an emergency press conference video saying that they're going all in on TikTok style. Like they even, he even said it. And then every, that's why you saw the outrage. That it was like every, people were saying, you know, that was like a war against creators. And um, a lot of the artists I've worked with in the past have been speaking out now about it. They have been before on their stories like i don't know why no one's seeing my work anymore and obviously it's all if they're if you're doing photography if you're doing illustration if you're doing digital art instagram's not showing it to anyone anymore um they want full screen high engagement you know clickbaity type content Both um, basically yeah so uh today the ceo i guess i mean that that video was terrible for them obviously and um today uh he saw the wrath of everyone and made that i guess that statement that um they're going to transition back to how instagram used to be which i mean it's crazy like if you take away instagram there is no photo sharing app 
Right. I, I don't know why they would go any other lane, right? Yeah, like I mean, Twitter is written, Twitter is written, TikTok is video, uh, YouTube is, uh, is long form video. And there was zero people on the earth doing and optimizing for uh, photo, photo content. Yeah. So it's like it was—it was, it was a bizarre move, especially if I mean that's what they're known for. So, yeah. oh, I know you gotta go. I forgot. I have speed questions. It's not gonna an answer. Favorite Grail sneaker of all time? Uh, Off White Air Max Ninety. Okay. Yeah, White. That one. Okay. Best project you have ever worked on? Oh wow! Best project I've ever. I mean, besides sneaks. You could say sneaks and color short. I have another one about your. No, I want to think. Uh, probably. Oh yeah, the uh, the Marvel Black Panther. Yeah. Okay. For sure. And then the most slept on project you've ever worked on and didn't receive the recognition that you think you should have deserved. This is this is gonna be a good one. I worked on making a three D forty movie version of my of the Infinity Gauntlet. I, I don't know if I show you at VCon, but I turned the um the or the uh, Nike Mag. Into mm -hmm. the uh the, the gauntlet, and then I turned Airden one into the nano gauntlet, and those were some of my most viral uh sneaker art. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did 3D models, videos, cool video formats for a collaboration with Artifact, but they got acquired a month after we started doing it, and I finished the project. And when we were pitching and trying to do a, a release date with um with nifty gateway and then we were then we moved to um another i forgot what other uh, site but then they went dark because they were getting acquired by nike and we never got to do it and yeah. well what's that, with you and not and not getting to the finish line I, I mean i'm wearing the drake shirt so i heard the drake story of you almost designing the seal and the seal yeah. stuff's it. hard yeah i mean it's the pinnacle it's the pinnacle of stuff For sure. so um yeah that, that that project will never see the light of day damn so, um hopefully it will soon but um that shit was crazy yeah Fa okay favorite favorite color uh don't have one okay like favorite movie scene and if that's too detailed favorite movie uh favorite movie scene easy uh there's three three of my favorite movie scenes one pursuit of happiness when he gets the job at the end by far the best scene two social network when they finally get the first investment for 500k i made it on um it yeah and he calls and he, and he calls um his business partner yeah. um and then three slept on movies called burnt it's one of my favorite movies with uh, bradley cooper amazing success entrepreneur story but the end when he gets the third star uh the third uh michelin star so uh, a lot of hard work payoff stories um in the moment the, the moment it pays off favorite so, actor oh, favorite actor oh you I'm gonna know. say I'm gonna say Steve Carell just because I'm a huge Office fan. But favorite actors in a movie by far, Big Short. You got Brad Pitt. You got fucking. You got so many good actors in that movie. Uh, Christian Bale. Just that whole cast is is, is okay. all my favorite actors, okay. and it was amazing. Funniest the Gary V impersonator skit or and or saying like when the guy says, "Are you on TikTok?" Oh yeah, Stuff like that. The content when he's. Just, shivering up and he's like more content that part okay favorite iconic piece yeah hard work pays off the matt fraser black edition okay. with hanging in my room that's my favorite piece okay and then the last one what does being a soul or a soulful person mean to you since we on the soul talk podcast? being a soulful person i think yeah. uh, knowing who you are 
and acting on it, which is another big theme in sneaks. What I'm trying to do in sneaks, kind of like the major theme is to get people to really figure out who they are through kind of reliving some of their childhood. And that's usually the best way to kind of go back in time and see who you used to be. Because when you're a kid, you're the most pure form of yourself. I truly believe that. So that's what I try and do in sneaks. And a lot of the stuff my work is to try and put yourself back when you're a kid, you're, you're the purest form of yourself to kind of give you a glimpse of how you used to be. And maybe that will spark the passions that you want to go for as, as an adult um, and not lose that kind of stuff. Because my theory is if you, if you really, if you go pursue things that you love and, you know, go back to your childhood, you'll really find the things that you used to love and that will maybe inspire you to do the things you love in the future. So. Gotcha. So sneakers coming soon. Right. Hope uh, awesome. by the end of the summer to get a uh, thank you. Right. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. We'll, I'll talk to you later. Talk soon. Yeah. Peace. Hey, I apologize for the abrupt ending. Jeff is a busy guy, as you may know, and I wanted to respect his time. So he had to cut the episode a little short. But more than anything, I want to take this time to emphasize my appreciation for him coming on. Hope that you as the listener got some great context on what it means to be a creative. This was my first episode with a big guest, so to speak, so my execution of this conversation may also have been you know, played out better. Even though I've talked to Jeff many times before, there's nothing like pressure with a time limit and everything in the mix. But I want to emphasize that Jeff has been on some already great podcasts. I didn't want to cover some of those same things that they have covered. So want to talk more specifics, mindset, but yeah, please let me know what your favorite part of this episode was. I'll be back with new guests soon and listen that soul talk. Peace.